0: Hello and welcome to The Good GP, the the podcast for busy GPs. My name's Tim Cove. And and I'm Sean Stevens. And today we have a very special guest, Professor John Murtaugh. Welcome, John.
1: Thank you, Tim. And Sean?
0: John, it's great to have you here. I I, I guess one of the things that I've seen you get asked about a lot is is the book. I mean, you're you're world famous for the book. book. What was the inspiration behind the book and and how did you end up coming to write the book?
1: Well, at at this time, uh, probably about uh, uh, 30, 40 years ago, I was medical editor of Australian Family Physician and I was writing a lot of material on how to approach common problems based around my diagnostic model. And uh, then I I was approached by a publisher saying, this is really very interesting I think you could write a book there, we think there is a market for a textbook on general practice and the way you write these articles uh, indicates that uh, I think it may be a good, good basis for a textbook and I said I, haven't, I wouldn't have the temerity to write a textbook and um, uh, so anyway he kept nagging away and so seed was sown and then one day at the professors meeting at Monash I was wanting more time for general practice, and they say, what's general practice, just a collection of specialties, I haven't even seen a textbook, and I thought, ooh, maybe we ought to look into it. So uh, uh, I discussed it with my wife, do you think you could, we could afford the time, uh, and she says, well, give it a go. So we I wrote a few chapters based on common problems, and was sent off to the parent company at, at uh, New York and was reviewed by the Americans, and they were saying, this is this is no good. Uh, <laughs> As they do. Uh, it, it really needs a whole lot of chapters written by a specialist to give it authority. So anyway, it went on the back burner, and I just forgot about it. And then um, uh, the publisher was very insistent. He thought there was a market. So anyway, we went with it, and I was probably spent a period of three years working on it, based on about... 40 or 50 common problems with the diagnostic model and then I got some help from various people I sent everything off to a a consultant who was someone who was very bright that I taught and I knew wouldn't say no and so we put it together and off it went and it was published uh, with Australia and New Zealand being the market well it sat around for a while and it was quite popular locally and then it sort of took off overseas. Uh, the Americans uh, w- w- the grassroots GPs were very interested in it but uh, they didn't like the terminology and the spelling and so forth and the Americans basically rejected it. Except practice tips and patient education they took to. Uh, and uh, now we've got it in uh, it just I think it appeals to GPs because it's basic. And the, the book was written from the point of view of the uh, overseas graduate who I was teaching and was finding it hard to grasp the concepts. And so it meant it had to be written in a very precise form that was fairly straightforward to study. So that's the way it was written, more or less in a, in blocks, in traces, in a format which is understandable. Yeah, w- one of my favourite bits of your book, and, and
0: that I think... You can't get from a specialty book is the way general symptoms, undifferentiated disease, is how it's a chapters are on abdominal pain, not acute
1: appendicitis. And that's that's what, as GPs, that's what we're presented with. Well, you're quite right, and I think that's the the GPs recognise this is general practice. But interestingly enough, I've had stories told about people going to talks by specialists in recent times. And what have they got up on the screen? The murder model. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, uh, means that the specialists also think like that. I mean, my, we've heard today about the, about the medico-legal issues, missing serious problems. Well, that, that's something that I should do in general practice. And I've written a book called Cautionary Tales. And... Uh, it, it, it worries us sick, all this missing serious things, not, not because we're going to finish up on course, but because we're doing an injustice to our patients. Mm-hmm. So that's, that was very much a sort of a basis of the book, having a model which just helps you think like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, anyway, uh, it's taken off. Only just last year, I, I got a call from, uh, from Turkey and also from Iran uh, wanting permission to uh, reproduce the book. So it's amazing, so is That it? that really says a lot about the book. Yeah. Now I was looking at social media recently, and there's a few people writing and say the book's old fashioned, this is old fashioned. It just needs a, f- a fresh look, and it needs management tightened up. And uh, you know, it sort of makes you think about it. And, and to, today, I've been listening to the stories from the registrars and people saying, "Don't change a book." Mm. 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 So the book will probably follow this format for a while. And uh, But I've got a, an issue of succession planning. Uh, I mean, I don't, won't last forever. I'm not in a position to keep writing books. So we, we're working now on getting uh, some help mm-hmm. on that. That's great. Big shoes to fill, John. Oh, I'm not really. <laughs> 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 oh, no, I size like six. So, no, I'm only a small bloke. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so, John, I guess, you know, we've talked today a lot about where general practice is going and, you know, the plenary sort of talked about sort of the future of general practice, what do you say the future of general practice I think is? the future in
1: general practice is good. Mm. And I think it's more or less by default in a way, I, I've had my, my children study medicine and uh, one of them went in, chose a specialty and he can't get work in where he wants. Now the daughter uh, just recently gr- graduates, she went into general practice, got a job straight away, she's very happy. She's doing very well financially and uh, she's very happy with her work Mm. and her career. And I see the students and I talk to them and they know, they know that it's going to be hard to get jobs and they know that they can really make something in general practice. And I just hope that they look to the rural areas too, uh, as I did. Um, Because when you go to a rural area and you've got to cope with everything, That's when you get a fair grasp of what Mm. the GP needs to know. It certainly sharpens your skills, that's for sure. It does. But this is another thing. We need to be teaching more skills. So I'm trying to... uh, I was just listening to Justin Coleman talking about practice tips, uh, which I think is great. We've got to teach people uh, to do little practice procedures to make life more interesting. And uh, so that's taken off. I introduced that concept uh, 37 years ago into the mm. journal, and uh, uh, and they've been recycled time and again, and I think that's a good thing. We want GPs to be more skilled and more confident, but also to be uh, uh, to have a safety mechanism, which means they can uh, just quickly f- follow guidelines, mm. not to miss nasties. Yeah,
0: one of the stories I like, John, was. It was about how you learnt to do sort of gentle back manipulations from your in your local country it. Can, can you tell us that story again?
1: Well, when I was a surgi- when I was a, uh, uh, surgical registrar, uh, one of the one of the surgeons, an orthopaedic surgeon, was very interested in spinal manipulation, and he made made me do it, and we had to do it under general anaesthetic. And uh, I didn't like it at all. And then I thought, I said, you know, we, could, we don't have to do general anaesthesia for this. Yeah. No, we don't either. And then I came across a couple of uh, GPs, who were country GPs, who were quite skilled at uh, manipulation. And a physiotherapist I knew, who was, uh, you know, the patients would go in all doubled up and they'd come out Straighten straight. Up. And I thought, I had so many patients with back pain, I thought, we've got to look into this. So I looked into it and followed up from my work as a surgical registrar and started doing it gently and then sometimes not so gently I must say but it's something that is you've got to be very careful about mm. so I started uh, uh, the college came to me and asked me would I run courses around the country so I run courses all over the country mm. and we uh, it was uh, politically a very difficult Area because the physios weren't, weren't happy, the chiropractors weren't happy, uh, most of the doctors weren't happy. But anyway, we developed probably about a thousand GPs, particularly country GPs, who was aimed at rural GPs, became very skilled, just using their hands. Mm. And we had to make sure it was safe. Mm. Yep. Uh, so I think that's been, uh, and I'll meet the, some of the people today who are now quite experts at it. Mm. But it's it's like any skill; it's only for people who are motivated and can do it and mm. have an interest. Not for everybody. Mm. Yeah. But that's something that really interests me. It's not not only the spine; it's peripheral joints too. Yep. That you can use it for. Yeah. It has a place. Yes. Uh, but uh, we've got to keep in mind that conservative treatments such as exercises are more important. Mm. Yeah.
0: I think I really admire the way you sort of intrepidly go and, you know, question the conventional thinking and trying something, you know, which is, I think it's a really important thing to do as a GP. We're, we're, by trade, I think we're problem solvers and I think it's really important that we continue to work as problem solvers and and look at all the options rather than being constrained by the conventional thinking.
1: Well, that's right. Well, I... uh, People asked me about complementary medi- medicine, or what I call integrative medicine, and I- I'm really attracted to it in the sense that it overlaps so much with our profession, and you don't have to be putting people on homeopathic doses and, and, and pills, uh, vitamin pills and so forth. There are many, many aspects to lateral thinking. It mm. includes some of the basic psychiatric uh, strategies like mindfulness uh, and these type uh, of, but it's all, it's mainstream practice and so is nutrition Uh, and that's why I think about physical treatment, it's all Mm. part of the mainstream. There are some parts which are uh, not scientifically valid or proven, you you reject that Mm. and you take on the things which are quite reasonable, things have been around for thousands of years, we practice Mm. very well. Mm. So we have to embrace any particular treatment or process which is not invasive to the patient.
0: Yeah.
1: If you can avoid giving them drugs, which are a terrible problem in practice with all their side effects, and use another method which is uh, safe and simple uh, and maybe even act as a placebo. Yeah. I think it's worth trying. Yeah,
0: well, if it can't harm, that's uh,
1: first do no harm. do no harm.
0: Yeah. John, you've been in practice 50 years now, as you said. Um, what piece of advice would you have to somebody who's just coming out of GP training now, uh, having seen what you've seen, what would you be encouraging them to do, to
1: see, to experience? I'd be encouraging them to uh, not rush into practice. To uh, spend a lot of time uh, being trained in a training program, uh, go into country practice and do a term there, which I think we are encouraging. Uh, I think it's compulsory. Uh, I think that's very important but I think they need a lot of experience mm. uh, so that you get this pattern recognition. Yep. And to not to be too overwhelmed by medicine, It's not all that difficult in a way. I mean, you, you can just uh, uh, not be thrown by it. Yeah. But uh, to learn from the mistakes of others and uh, just learn safe mechanisms. Yeah. But I think it's a good idea uh, to spend a fair bit of time in hospitals learning an uh, accident in the emergency department. So I yeah. think it's a great place to learn and develop skills in develop procedural skills. But to, you, you've got to be confident and you've got to be positive, mm. not scared about things. So we've got to go through that process. So it does mean uh, a fairly substantial period of being an apprentice. Yep. Yep.
0: I, I very much agree. I think that pattern recognition that comes with a large caseload is critically important to Becoming developing the judgment you need to be a... a great GP, and you know, I think that's probably really sound advice for any registrar going forward. So,
1: yeah. Well, I'll say to my students, get around as many patients as you can. Uh, the more you see, the more experience, uh, the better you recognise patterns. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. John, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Uh, thanks Absolutely. For, thanks uh, for your time. It really
1: is an honour, John. You, I described you earlier today as the rock star of the general practice world. Well, I can talk to you people any time, but don't push the ego up too much. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, John. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure.
0: Thanks. That's the end of this Good GP podcast. We'll look forward to uh, speaking to you at the next episode.